Okay, so welcome to Ner Avram, the warm spot in Shari Chesed on a cold winter night. And hopefully to have some simcha from Torah on a, on a very hard and sad day where so many soldiers were lost. And uh, part of what we're going to be learning tonight will hopefully help us navigate a little bit. So we're focusing on one chazal about Shira Sayom, Kriyas Yamsuf, and Noz Yoshir. And this is a famous, it's both in Megillah and Sanhedrin. I'll, I'll read the way it is in Megillah. It says, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Right, the Torah talks about there being this divider between the Mitzrim and, and the Am Yisrael, the Amud. And it says, why is is a code word, because we say it all the time in Kedusha. Meaning, it says, that when the Egyptians were getting to be drowned in the Yamsuf, the Malachim wanted to sing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, My creations, right, are drowning, and you want to say Shira? Okay, now there are many, many perushim on that. Some which take it away from the basic perush that the Maise Yodai means the Egyptians and try to apply it to Am Yisrael. But the straight meaning is that it's talking about the Egyptians. And he's saying, I made them. Right? Oh, so, this is, so this is the idea. Now, the question that's asked, and we want to work with one particular answer on this. This I saw, Rebellion Mayor Bloch from Tel's Yeshiva, um, and it related to a story. The whole way he got to America was uh, an interesting story. We won't go into that fully tonight. But after he, he, he came to fundraise to get away from a communist who was threatening him there, and he came to fundraise for Tells, while he was away, the Nazis wiped Tells out. His family, his, the yeshiva, everything there. And then he put together, he got together people who had learned in Tells, who had made it out different places. And Chaim Stein made it to France, Ruf Gifter made it back to America, different, and they, he rebuilt the yeshiva in Ohio. So one of the first years after he rebuilt it was Purim. And there was a Purim, a Siba in Yeshiva, and he was doing as one does in Purim. He was singing with the Talmudim, and they were singing, and a little joyful. As he walked out of the Yeshiva, a woman approached him and said, Rabbi, admit that you're a liar. He said, what do you mean? That you're a liar. That you're a liar. That you're a liar. That you're a liar. She said, because you know and I know what happened not long ago all your family, your friends, your community, that she was all wiped out. So you're putting on a show for your Talmudim pretending to be happy. But you know and I know that it can't be real. So he gathered the Talmudim together and said, I want to explain to you why she's wrong. He said, here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Malachim, My Egyptians that I created are drowning, and you want to sing before me? The question is, but Am Yisrael did sing. In a very blatant way. They saw the dead Egyptians by the Yam. And then, And then they sang, and HaKadosh Baruch didn't say, Those are my dead Maise Yodai, how can you be singing? So Rebelli Meir answered, he said, That's because a human being is different from a Malach. 
A malach can only be in one mode at a time. If it's in shira mode, it's not in avelus mode. If it's in avelus mode, it's not in shira mode. A human being is able to and is supposed to have multiple tracks running at the same time. That's the godless of a human being. So at the same time as they were singing the shira and the joy at how Hashem saved them, we're going to see something interesting about the uniqueness of what they saw there, al-svasayam, they were able to also have room for the fact that it's too bad that it had to happen that way. That creations that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made had to be destroyed because they corrupted themselves and became so evil. That's not a happy thing. And it's, it's something which is able to be there while still rejoicing for the fact that they were freed from the evil hold that Mitzrayim had on them, now in Kriyas Yamsuf totally. Now listen to, I've said this before, I, I heard it first quoted by Rabbi Ben Chorsky from Milwaukee, and it's a fabulous piece from a sefer called Orach L'chaim. Orach L'chaim was a Talmud of the Maggid of Mezrich. And he says like this, it says, Vayari sells Mitzrayim Mesel Svasayam, they saw the Egyptians dead by the ocean, and then, and then they saw the great hand of what Hashem did for them in Mitzrayim. Now, what was new to them now about what happened back in Mitzrayim? They went through it. They saw ten makas. They saw Lila Seder. They saw all these things. So here's somehow what they're seeing on the Yamsuf. Then they understood, they reframed, so to speak, the whole experience in Mitzrayim. So here's how he lays it out so beautifully. He says that, and Rashi brings this down, Rav Masi ben Kharish said that Hashem said to Moshe, it's the time, the Shvua la'avram legal as bonov. I promised Avram, I swore to Avram, right? Now it's time for them to come out. And uh, he gave them a couple of mitzvahs on the Laseder, the Bismillah and the Korban Pesach, that they had two mitzvahs. Now, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to them and tells them, he says, Pekod Pekarati, Hashem says that you're going to go free. Now, Am Yisrael were in a very distant state at this point. Again, this idea of them being in the Memtesh Shari Tumah, meaning they, they forgot what it meant, the relationship between Am Yisrael and Hashem. They, they weren't people who had Shem Shemaim in their mouths anymore so much. And here they hear that Hashem wants to redeem them. So all they had was this tradition that Avram Avinu was promised that his children are going to come out of Mitzrayim. And then what they saw was, after Moshe Rabbeinu told them that, it got worse. And they said, we know why it got worse. Because we're idolaters. Whatever we were, we've forgotten. Hashem must really hate us. And if he's going to take us out, the only reason he's going to take us out is because he promised to Avram Avinu. It's not because he loves us. We're a disappointment. And therefore, they came all the way, even through the Nisim of Leila Seder, Makas Becharas, coming to Yamsuf. Yes, Hashem was taking them out beyond Rama, but deep inside they said, but not because he loves us, because we happen to be the descendants of Avram Avinu. And he's got to take us out. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something unique. When, when Am Yisrael saw the Egyptians dead by the shore of the sea, what does that mean? So, Chazal said, 
that this was a particular chesed Hashem did for Am Yisrael. And it's something that we can understand, having known people who'd gone through World War II, the Holocaust. The Rav Varshol and Givat Zev told this, he said he remembers this growing up. He said he had an aunt who was a Holocaust survivor. And she made it out to America. And she got her life together somewhat. And then it was time that they captured Eichmann, and it was the time of the Eichmann trial. He said, they captured Eichmann in Argentina, right? They captured Eichmann in Argentina. They brought him to Israel. She had a breakdown. She was so overcome with fear, just hearing that he was out there, even though he was captured, even though he was thousands of miles away, it took her months to get back. So here it says, Chazal said, Hashem wanted them to see that the Mitzvim are actually dead. And they say also they would see, each Jew was able to see the one that oppressed him, that he's dead, that they wouldn't have to have that constant fear that they're coming back. Right? He said, that chesed, Am Yisrael were able to see, he didn't do that to us because he promised Avram Avinu he was going to take us out. That was an expression of love. And then, that means everything else that he did in Mitzrayim also must have been because he loves us. Not just because there's a contractual arrangement with Avram Avinu to take us out. So this was what they were able to see. Now let's get back to the explanation. We have a Telzer of Rebelli Meir Bloch, right, that he said, he was answering the question that Hashem told the Malachim not to say Shira when the Egyptians were getting drowned. My creations are getting drowned and you want to say Shira. And we, he asked, how could it be that Bnei Israel said Shira at that time? So he said, that's the difference between a human being and a Malach. That a human being is able to have two different emotions legitimately running at the same time. And that's a key part of our avoda. Okay, now let's take a look at um, a few examples of this. Talna Rebbe often brings this classic example from Alocha. Alocha says, if a person hears of the death of someone close to them, so they say, Baruch Dainemes, they have to tear Kriya, all these things. Now, if at the same time you hear that the person left you $100 million, so you have to make Shechiyonu or Tova Metiv, depending on the circumstances. Now, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around that emotionally. Right? And you would imagine, if you play it out in your mind, right? the rabbi or whoever comes over tells the person, I'm sorry to tell you that so-and-so passed away. I'll guide you what to do. Here's how you tear Kriya, right? etc., etc. And he said, oh, and, and also, the lawyer said that you're a beneficiary of the will. You're supposed to be getting $100 million. The person says, do you really think I'm thinking about money at this time? He says, I didn't mean to insult you. So I, I won't bother you about this number you have to call to a lawyer or else it goes to the state. By tomorrow, <laughs> wait a second, what number, <laughs> right? So he is thinking about the money. Does that mean that he doesn't care about the person who was nifter? No, what Chazal are telling us is that you can do both. It's a joyful thing to get $100 million. And you can say a bracha to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that. The Avelis that you've entered is that painful thing, and it has its own bracha to say, the bracha that we say, al And we're able to do those both at the same time. 
Another example, he brings the Rambam, says that to be a Novi, to have actual Navu, you have to be in a state of Simchrish Mitzvah. Right? We see, even using music to get into the state to be able to have Navu. Yermiyahu said Megillas Echa B'Navuah. At the time of the Churban, at the time of the destruction, he was witnessing the most horrible things. He says in Perak Gimel there. And yet he had to have a certain underlying Simcha Shal Mitzvah inside of him at the same time, or else he wouldn't have been able to receive Nevoah. So his sorrow for Am Yisrael it was real for the Churban. And a certain Simcha that a Jew is always supposed to have, that I'm a Jew and I'm here and I'm alive and I'm able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is also there at the same time. Excuse me for Please. So, um, there's, such a, there's such a concept in psychology that's been widely accepted, I believe, by scientists and all that stuff. It's called cognitive, cognitive dissonance. Which I think means that you have two opposite emotions and it, it causes a big problem within somebody. Well, the cognitive dissonance, again, that I recognize, and I'm not, I'm not an expert at all, is, is something that Bali Musser spoke about a lot, which is the difference between head and heart, right? Meaning, I know that I'm not supposed to eat much sugar, so it tells me the doctor, right? And yet, if you'll see me at a kiddish, right, I'm not just uh, eating carrot sticks, right? Why? I know why he told me not to eat sugar. I understand it totally. I'm totally on board. But my heart hasn't accepted that as the emiss yet. Right? That, they say that's what the Mesil Zishorim means when it says, Borer means clear, intellectually. Emiss means that that's my reality. That's the cognitive dissonance that I know. But the fact that we have multiple emotions is so important for us. The fact that I can be upset with something that my child does and still love him. Right? And, and he has to be able to feel both of those emotions at the same time, or else that's going to get very messy. So this is something that we're, we're supposed to have. The Maise does relate somewhat to the subconscious also, meaning there, there are different emotions and thoughts we have running under the surface, almost like the operating system of a computer while we're doing what we're doing. For example, in Bitochen and Ishtadlus, a person goes out to work, you're supposed to work and work hard and do your best and these things. But a person's also supposed to know, Hashem wants me to do Ishtadah as much as I can, but the results are going to come from Hashem. That's, that's what's going to be in there. So on one hand, in my outer conscious, let's say, okay, it's a work day. I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to call this one, I have to move and shake and do. Running underneath it is the knowledge, but that isn't going to make things happen. That's what I have to do. And then HaKadosh Baruch is going to send how he sends. He wants me to do those things. And that is what we'll see. Okay, uh, similarly, uh, Rav Dessler, in his Kuntras uh, HaChesed, he fights against the idea that to be a good businessman, you have to be a shark. Right? You, have to, you have to really be competitive. You want to bring the others down. You want to bring yourself up. You want to get everything that you can. He says, no. A person, uh, people asked him, he spoke a lot about koach hanasina. You have to approach your day as a giver. Rabbi, I'm a businessman, okay? Business is not about giving, right? Business is about going. I want more market share. I want more profit. I want these things. He says, you can have the engine driving you being one of nasina, meaning you see a need out there and you provide a product, a service, whatever it is, 
It can benefit people. You're giving to them. You have the ability, you have the talent, you have the idea, whatever it is you're giving to them. You give it to them at an honest price, you're allowed to make money because otherwise you won't be able to keep on providing what you provide. You're giving, you're also supporting many families that work for you at the same time, your employees. That's also giving, right? So he says, and that can be a powerful drive for a person in his workday, just like that shark taker type of person, right? Both of them can be successful, but we know where we want to be. Now, this brings us to a sensitive topic that, I, again, I don't think that I have a full handle on it, but I think it's important to talk about, especially at these times, and to see. When we see the Chazal about and Rav Bloch's answer that, yes, there is a certain level of sadness in there that human beings became so corrupt and evil that they had to be destroyed. Hashem feels a certain sadness for that. We feel a certain sadness for that. Does it mean that we have mercy on them and don't kill them? Of course not. Hamarachim al achzarim, a person who has mercy on the cruel, is misachzer al rachmonim, is being cruel to the merciful, right? So therefore, you know that they have to be destroyed, but it is a pity that they have to be destroyed in that way. So this brings us to the concept of of nakama, of revenge, right? In other words, even the explanation we saw of the Aruch l'chaim of Hashem showing them this demonstration of these are the Egyptians who pursued you, I put them here on the yam so that you'll know that they're dead. That wasn't there for them to, so to speak, dance on their dead bodies. It was there to free them to be themselves, to let them loose from the fear of these people that pursued them and tortured them for so long. So here too with the idea of Nakama. I'd mentioned, I think, another week something I heard from Rav David Yosef Shlitter, Rav Avadi's son, at the beginning of the war, and he said that, he said, a lot of people are throwing around the word Nakama, right? And this is something in the world, when you think of what was done on that Simchas Torah, to thousands of people, horrible things, so then there's a natural human emotion that screams for revenge, Right? What you did to me, I'm going to do to you and worse or something. He says, that's not us. Okay, welcome back. As you can see, um, it was a small technical difficulty with the end of the recording of this year. So I would just like to complete the thought that we were on. We were learning about Rav Hirsch's definition of Nakama. And the first of all, the fascinating distinction he makes between Nakom me, to take Nakama from, as opposed to Nakom be to take Nakama on. He says this in the context of Amisel going to war with Midian. Nakom nikmas b'nei Yisrael me'es ha-midyonim. Says Rav Hirsch, right, again in this uh, Hebrew translation, ha-matara inena lachniyas ha-oyev ligmulol kigmulol, that the goal in this war of Nakama is not just simply to uh, put down the enemy and do to him what he did to us. If it would have meant that, it would have said, The goal is to bring Am Yisrael up again from the downfall they suffered at the hands of the Midyanim. To free Am Yisrael spiritually and um, ethically and to free him from the fear of Midian and what Midian had done to us and what Midian still could do to us. 
So that's a fascinating picture of this higher form of nakama, meaning we're focusing on, as he said, the word nakama comes from kom. He says this in Parshas Bereshis in the story of Cain. Kom means to rise up. Am Yisrael's goal in a war, even if it's a, a war that does have an aspect of nakama, the aspect is not so much the putting down as opposed to the rising up to try to make sure that everything from Am Yisrael themselves are able to be who they're supposed to be as opposed to the limitations put on them by oppressors and attackers. It is to change the state of Chil Hashem in the world when Hashem's people are persecuted and harmed and it enables Am Yisrael to be free both of the memories of the past like those Jews by Yamsuf and of the fears in the future of the threat of what's there. Now, even though this has, so to speak, this positive focus in going to war, it shouldn't be thought that this in any way minimizes the force with which Am Yisrael goes to war. We see that Am Yisrael goes to war with Mesiris Nefesh. And unfortunately, so many have given their lives with that war. They weren't going just to hurt or torture the enemy. They were going lakum, lahakim, to raise up, to reestablish everything from justice in the world by people seeing that atrocities should be answered, by enabling Am Yisrael to live as they should be without what Chazal called the shibud malchios, the oppression of the nations that oppresses us and limits us so much. And perhaps this is why the Pasuk describes Haninu Goyim Amo in the future, even the nations will cry out in praise, right? Am Yisrael, Kidam Avadov Yikom, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take revenge for the blood of his servants, Venakam Yashiv Litzarav, and return Nakama, so to speak, to those who oppress them. It's an interesting reaction that the nations will sing out, is because the goal of that Nakama is to bring the world to be as it should be, and that is especially brought about by Am Yisrael being able to be who they are supposed to be. So on one hand, we fight when we have to, certainly to eliminate threats. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu instructs us that there is an aspect of Nakama, as Rav Hirsch says, our Nakama is very different from what the rest of the world calls Nakama. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us to be free from all oppression, to be able to free ourselves from the horrible limitation of the terrible memories of the atrocities, to be free of fear for the future, and to be able to live to our fullest for our own benefit and for the benefit of the whole world, who at one point will sing out and say, Harninu goyim amo kidama vadovikom. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu send Besaros Tovos good news and wishing everyone a good and safe and peaceful Shabbos and... I'm recording this just before Tu Bishvat, a wonderful Rosh Hashanah, Lailan, Kol Tuv.